0: evening. Some of you meant it, at least. (laughs) To the rest of you, good evening anyway. In John chapter 1, the apostle begins his account of the Lord's life from the time of his pre or pre-incarnation. That is, he says, he declares as he begins, that the Word of God was with God and was God. He goes on to tell us that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, but he begins his discussion about the life of our Lord Jesus Christ by making it abundantly clear that Jesus pre-existed the time of his incarnation. There was, of course, a time when Jesus would come into the human family. There was a time in which he would clothe himself with flesh, and he would be tempted, like in all points as we are. When he did come, Jesus came into the world as an infant, as a baby, as we all must. The Bible doesn't spend a lot of time talking about those early years. The Bible tells us, though, that he did come into the world as a baby. And so we have some few details about his conception and we have some few details about his birth. We're told a few things about the circumstances of his early years, we're told about his circumcision. We're told some things about his family dynamics, but the Bible doesn't spend much time on all of that. And so really we do have precious little, and perhaps Luke chapter 2 gives us the most abundant insight we have into that brief period of time. We read about his birth, And then we read some things about his earliest years. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 40 that Jesus grew in wisdom and he increased in favor or grace with God. The Bible then tells us that his family had a custom of going to Jerusalem every year. And so they did go when he was 12 years old, and he uh, spent some time uh, tarrying behind his family there conversing with the teachers in the temple, and they were astounded, the Bible says, at the questions that he was asking and the answers that he was giving. As a matter of fact, his His parents had to double back and go to Jerusalem again to find him, and when they did find him with those teachers, they also were astounded at the things they were seeing and hearing from this 12-year-old. At the conclusion of that episode, the Bible says again, Jesus grew. In Luke 2 and 52, the Bible says he increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. The Bible says Jesus grew. I've always thought that was interesting. Jesus is the son of God. He is the pre-incarnate word of God. The Bible told us that he would come and the Bible declares plainly that when he came, he would bear the sins of all the world. But you know, when Jesus was born, he was not born as a babe ready to fulfill that mission at the time he came. Did you realize that? He had to grow in order to fulfill the mission that God had set before him. I sometimes think to myself, if Jesus had to grow in order to maximize the potential that the Father had given to him, if Jesus had to grow in order to do all that God had set before him, what about me? And what about you? The Bible says he increased. There's no way around this. He increased in wisdom, also in stature. In favor with God and with men. And so God's Son grew. Intellectually, the Bible says that He was uh, increasing in wisdom. Wisdom has to do with the skillful application of knowledge in sorting through the circumstances of life. Jesus, from the time he was a small boy into adolescence and on into adulthood, had to increase in wisdom. He had to grow intellectually. The details of his growth are not elaborated upon for us, but there are certain facets of his growth that are demonstrated for us in the Bible. Now, first, we know that he would have grown simply because of the maturing of his mind and the experiences of life. You know, as he simply got older from 5 to 15 to 25, his mind would have matured and he would have grown because of his experiences, because of his circumstances. No doubt Jesus also would have prayed for wisdom the bible says that if any man lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives to every man liberally and upbraideth not james 1 in verse number 5 but i think the bible gives us the most insight into jesus intellectual growth in that it tells us that he was devoted to the studying of god's word You recall when his parents found him in the temple, what he was doing. He was already advanced intellectually above his peers. Here he is, 12 years old, sitting with the teachers there in the temple. And his interaction with them, his exchange with them, left them astounded. He wasn't the ordinary 12-year-old, I know that. But you see that he was there questioning and talking with people who were learned and serious about spiritual matters, even at 12 years old. Asking questions engaging in discourse the bible tells us also in luke 4 and verse 16 that jesus had a custom he would go into the synagogues on the sabbath day and he would stand up to read from the word of god the bible says he took on that occasion the scroll of isaiah which would have been amongst the biggest scrolls that would have been available from that old testament and he found the place where it was written he was familiar with the word of god it was his custom to read from the Word of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 2 and verse number 6 that Jehovah gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. When the Bible says that Jesus increased, he advanced, depending on your translation, he grew intellectually in wisdom. That means that he was voracious in consuming the word of God, saturating his mind with thus saith the Lord. And through that consumption, he was better able to understand how to navigate the circumstances of this life. Now, there was a time He was baptized of John. The Bible says the heavens opened, the Spirit descended upon him. And so the Spirit of God was poured out onto him. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 4 in particular, that when he received that Spirit, he received the Spirit of, among other things, wisdom as well. And so I know that there was something divine about his wisdom, but when the Bible says at 12 years old that he increased in wisdom, friends, he increased the same way you and I must increase. We must put our faces into the word of God. I wonder sometimes if the word had to invest his mind in the word. I wonder if I need to invest my time in the word as well. You see, there was never a time when Jesus didn't know all that he needed to know for the station of life that he was in. I mean, when he was 12 years old, he knew absolutely everything he needed to know to navigate through life successfully at that stage. But what about the next stage to prepare himself for the next stage he continually had to grow and advance? The Bible says he increased in wisdom. It says it twice. By the time he began his public ministry and by the time he met the cross at Calvary, Jesus knew how to handle the various circumstances he would encounter. He knew how to deal with the myriad of challenges that he would meet along the way. And he did all of that with the right understanding of who he is and what God expected of him because he continually increased in wisdom. He increased, no doubt, through his prayers. You recall that when he chose the 12 disciples, he spent all night in prayer to the Father before the selection was made. He increased, no doubt, through his discussions and his questioning, but he increased most of all through his own study of the Word of God. I wonder, are we doing the same thing that Jesus did? Jesus grew physically as well. He needed a body that would be healthy for the service that he was to render to the Father. And friends, he was born as a babe, and so for him to come from the place where he was when he was born to the place where he needed to be when he went to Calvary, this required growth on his part. And obviously, some physical growth is involuntary. I mean, it's just the way that God makes the body. If you feed the body and if you give it some rest and if you give it some work, the body is going to grow. And so some part of that, I know and understand, was involuntary. But the Bible says in Hebrews 10 and verse number 5 that Jesus' body was prepared for his service to God. And there's more involved in that than some kind of involuntary growth. You remember that when he begins, or just before he begins his public ministry, the Bible says the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness, and there he was for some 40 days and nights, and he was fasting all during that time. Let me tell you something. uh, Fasting for 40 days and 40 nights is extraordinary in any culture in any time. And a person can't just decide today, you know what? I think I'm going to take up fasting and I'm just going to go for about 40 days. Try it and see how that works. Jesus, his body was prepared. He had strengthened his body. He had prepared himself for his service to the Lord. He was just like you. He was... He was just like me. If he didn't eat, he got hungry. The Bible says at the end of that 40 days, he was hungry. He was just like me. He he was just like you. His body was capable of thirst, just like my body is. The Bible says when he was on the cross, he spoke. And we heard about that this morning. Caleb told us, he said, I thirst. You know, 40 days of fasting, it takes a toll on the body. But Jesus was able to do that because... He had increased and advanced his body so that he could. Jesus was capable of uh, tiring. He was capable of becoming weary. The Bible says when he met the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in John chapter 4, he he had become weary with his travels. He had become weary with his walking. But, you know, I I don't read anywhere that Jesus had a, a specific exercise program. You know how we have to resolve every year to actually take care of ourselves. Jesus didn't have to do that because he was constantly working. He was constantly moving. The Bible talks about how he travels up and down through Galilee and back and forth down to Judea. The Bible tells us that he was always on the move. He was always on the go. He was a working man even before he took up his public ministry. His body had been strengthened. His body had been prepared. Ultimately, Jesus would... uh, endure the scourging post. He would go to the cross there at Calvary. Scott talked to us about scourging this morning. You know, most of the time we just read that. and We don't have any real appreciation for what that's really saying. You know, most people died on the scourging post. Jesus not only endured the scourging post, but then he bore his own cross and endured sometime on the cross of crucifixion. The Bible says a body you have, uh, you have prepared. See, most people's bodies wouldn't have been strong enough to endure all of that. Most people would not have been able to languish on the scourging post and then endure the cross as well. I'm just saying to you, Jesus, uh, he obviously took care of his body. Sometimes I think we give so much emphasis to taking care of ourselves spiritually. I mean, we talk about that, and we emphasize that, and we encourage that, and we neglect the fact that in order for us to do the Lord's work, we actually have to use our bodies. Jesus grew and advanced physically. Do we prepare our bodies for the extreme rigors of maximizing our service to the Lord? Or sometimes are we unable to do all that we should because we don't take care of our bodies the way that we should? The Bible says that Jesus grew spiritually also. He increased in favor with God. Perhaps we don't think of Jesus as having to grow spiritually, but no plainer declaration can be made. He increased in favor with God. In Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And through the learning of obedience and his suffering, the Bible says that he was made perfect or he matured. He kept getting better and better and better, but he had to grow into that. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered you know, because Jesus never sinned, I'm I'm sure that he was always obedient. But you know, there are some degrees of obedience. I mean to say there are certain circumstances where it may be more difficult to be obedient than in some other circumstances. All of Jesus' life, as he was about his father's business, at least from the age of 12, he was being obedient. But you and I can see that uh, by the time he finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's a little, it's a little more difficult at that time than it had been before. He, he's praying to the Father and saying, Listen, I don't want to do this. If there was another way that we could make this work, I, please, let's do it that way. But he still says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. But I'm saying that was a little more difficult, perhaps, than it had been in some other circumstances. He would say in John 15 and 10 that he was abiding in the Father's love because he was keeping the Father's commandments. A life of obedience allowed him to increase and grow in obedience. And that allowed him to increase and grow in favor with the Father. Uh, Jesus had to be prepared he had to be prepared for the spiritual anguish and torment that he was going to bear when he bore my sin and yours on the cross there at calvary i mean i know that he was born into the world and he was the son of god when he came but friends he wasn't ready to go to the cross when he was five years old he he wasn't ready to go to the cross when he was 15 he increased and he grew and by the time it came for him to go to the cross then he was quite ready Uh, No one is prepared for that kind of submission. No one is prepared for that kind of obedience without growing into it. And sometimes I think to myself, do I think about my spiritual development in that way? It may not be for today, and it may not be for this week, but, you know, God has something that he expects of me. There's some opportunity that God is preparing me for, and if I fail to prepare myself when the moment comes for me to serve, I may not be spiritually ready. Jesus increased. He advanced living a life of obedience, he became all the better at obedience and he grew in favor with this God. And when the seminal moment came, he was ready to continue in obedience. Uh, Jesus, he had to grow intellectually and he had to grow physically and he had to grow spiritually. And he had to grow socially as well. He, he grew in favor with men. And there's quite a bit that I could say, and I don't think I'll say as much as I might want to at this moment because I think that's really worthy of its own treatment at some point. But listen, the Bible says he grew in favor with men. Jesus spent time with men. He interacted with men. And he knew how to treat men. For example, Jesus taught people how to live better lives. You know, the Bible tells us, and this is repeated over and over in the gospel accounts, but I was looking at the book of Luke. The Bible says in Luke 4 and verse number 15 that he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. You know, there were a lot of people teaching, but when Jesus spoke, they would say and think to themselves, never did a man speak the way this man spoke. And when he speaks, he speaks with authority that these scribes and the Pharisees we know that they don't have. He helped people to live better their lives, and that ingratiated him to people. The Bible tells us that in addition to his teaching, he actually helped people with their infirmities. Uh, Jesus didn't spend all of his time, uh, you know, standing in a pulpit, as it were. I don't think he was using the pulpit, but he didn't spend all of his time standing in a pulpit simply telling people what they needed to do. Jesus would get down on his hands and knees, and he would help people, with their infirmities. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 40, and this is just for example, the Bible says, All they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed him. Why was Jesus so popular among the masses? He told them what was right, but he wasn't so high-minded that he wouldn't get down on his knees and help them with their day-to-day problems and difficulties. Bible also tells us that he was the kind of person who included those that others might shun you remember when he calls Levi Levi goes to his home and makes a feast for the Lord and the Bible says that uh, a lot of the publicans were there and the the scribes and the, the Pharisees when they see this they sort of question Jesus about it and they say listen this man is eating with publicans and sinners yes he was that's one of the reasons that he uh increased in favor with men because he didn't he didn't judge men in such a way that he was felt he needed to separate himself from them he saw where men were weak he saw where men needed to be helped and then he would say listen i have come to help those who need a physician not those who already think they're whole friends i think it's a profound thought i mean jesus jesus had to grow in order to maximize the mission that his father had given him. God's son grew. God's saints have to grow also. When you think about some of the greatest people that you'll read about in all the Bible, friends, they did not spring into the world, they don't spring into the pages of Scripture already being fully mature and ready and able to maximize the potential that god gave them you think about a man like moses the bible tells us that you know his first effort at trying to deliver israel was an abject failure the Bible tells us it took some 40 years in the wilderness after 40 years of grooming in the house of Pharaoh's daughter before he was ready to be the leader that God wanted him to be and that Israel needed him to be. He had to grow over that time. I think about a man like Samuel, a man who was, uh, well, he was a gift from God to his mother. He spent all of that time in the. Uh, in the house with the high priest, being sort of groomed and mentored, and the Bible says that he grew. And, of course, later he would become the last judge of Israel. Think about a person like Peter, a man of great passion, a man of great conviction, and a man with weaknesses like all the rest of us. Jesus saw the potential that he had. Listen, Jesus considered this man among his best friends. He saw the potential that he had, but he also knew his weakness, and he would say to Peter, I have prayed for you. And when you are converted, when you overcome this infirmity, when you grow, when you advance beyond this point, then I want you to strengthen your brethren. God's servants have always had to grow. People are not born ready to maximize their potential for the Lord. And people are not born again spiritually ready to maximize their potential for serving the Lord. People have to grow. They always have. And they always will. Perhaps this is why the New Testament repeatedly tells us that we need to grow. Perhaps this is why the New Testament repeatedly calls us to grow. In his first epistle, Peter, who had been encouraged by the Lord, he encourages other people and he says to them in 1 Peter 2 and 2, as newborn babes you should desire or long for the sincere or spiritual milk of the word that you might grow thereby unto salvation. You remember in 2 Peter 1, uh, the apostle would say, beginning at verse number 5, that his readers needed to add to their faith. It's great that you have faith. Uh, It's great that you've been baptized and, and you're a member of the Lord's church. But he says, you can't stop there. You have to grow. You have to advance. You have to increase. He still encourages us, doesn't he? Peter would say, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, verse number 18. Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, a church that he had profound love for, he would tell them that they were doing a great job, and then he would say, I encourage you to abound more and more. In Ephesians 4, he would write to the church in verse number 15, he would say that in speaking the truth in love, he says, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ Jesus grew I think sometimes we just think that uh Everything was easy and everything was automatic, but it, it required some industry on his part. It required some effort on his part to ensure that he maximized the potential that he had in, for his service to God and to make sure that when the moment came, he gave God his all, he had to grow into that. God's, God's servants have always had to grow into that. And so my encouragement to you is that we should uh, prioritize our own growth. We should we should look at our lives and we should say, listen, in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men, I have some room to grow. I have some room to develop and we should prioritize that because oftentimes what we do is we say, well, here is a goal and I sort of put it out there, but I never sit down to make a concrete plan. I never make a firm commitment to growing in that respect. You know, sometimes we'll say I have this resolution and and oftentimes we have made these resolutions and here it is just into February and we don't even remember what those were prioritize your own personal growth and development preparation for the great work that god has set before you because the time will come when you will need everything within you to maximize the work that god gives you in john maxwell's book and he borrowed this uh he borrowed this phrase from someone else, but he talks about the law of diminishing intent. And he says, the longer you wait to do something you should do now, the greater the odds that you will never actually do it. Isn't that true? You put off until tomorrow what you ought to be doing today. And you know what? If if you were able to do that today, then tomorrow comes and you just put that off until the next tomorrow and it never gets done. I intended to do it, but I never made it a priority. Og Mandino, in one of his best books, best-selling books, The Greatest Salesman in the World, he says, Today I begin a new life, and I make a solemn oath to myself that nothing will retard my new life's growth. He says, this is a priority. You know, I read that, and I think to myself, when I came out of the waters of baptism, I had a new life. And God was expecting me to grow, and I was to prioritize that. Nothing in this world can be allowed to retard my growth in Christ. We have to pursue it. We make it a priority. We, in our minds, we understand and we accept that it is a priority, but then we have to pursue it with vigor If you want to reach your potential and become the person that you were created to be, you must do something more than rely on experience and hope. Friends, you have to go out of your way to seize growth. Opportunities for growth. Look for them and seize them as if your future depends on it. You know why? Because your future actually does depend on it. No more busy work. No more hiding behind secular demands. No more being satisfied with past successes. Leave time. Make time. Carve out space and be intentional. Be better than you are right now. Grow. Not tomorrow today so that you do not miss the opportunity to be all that God calls you to be we sometimes find ourselves being less able and I say we I include myself in this we sometimes find ourselves being less able less capable than we thought we were because somewhere along the way we stopped growing And here's the thing living organisms you don't stay the same see you're either going to grow or you're going to do the other thing but you're not going to stay the same and so you will either grow into a mountain or you can shrink into a grain of sand I mean you have to decide which way you want to go Jesus the Bible says was growing and if I'm a disciple of Jesus I ask myself am I following him If I am, then I need to grow as well. Where are you now? Just ask yourself, I mean, where are you now? Intellectually, where are you? Physically, how is your health? Are you taking care of your temple? Spiritually, how are you doing? Socially, how are you doing? Where are you right now? be honest with yourself. And then you ask yourself the more important question. Where does God want you to be? The difference between where you are and where God wants you is your growth. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I mean, he began his physical life Far ahead of any place that I'll ever be. I mean, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he still had to grow. He still had to work at it. He still had to advance. And I'll not be satisfied with where I am. I'll have to keep working at it, I'll have to keep increasing and keep growing so that I don't miss the opportunity to be all that God calls me to be. And I invite you to... I invite you to be challenged by that as well. Jesus Christ came to the earth, died for your sins and for mine, so that you and I would not have to bear the eternal consequences of our sin. I accept the sacrifice that he made on my behalf, as a token of his love and esteem for me, the love and esteem of the Father who sent him. And so I lay my old life down and stop living for myself. And I take up my cross and I live for him. And that requires me to die to myself daily and grow daily to be more and more like him. If you'll accept his offer of salvation, this is your time to do it. You come by faith, repentance, and baptism, and then you live a life of continuing increase. If we can help you, would you please let us know